Morning, everybody. How y'all doing today? Outstanding. Wow. I like that. Ducky. <laughs> Can you turn me down just a little bit, please, Mike? Thanks. Yeah, we don't we don't need to echo and cause the windows to burst and all of that fun stuff. <laughs> I was asked to uh show you this. Okay. You've been wondering to some extent, I assume, on what Miss Margaret and the rest of the ladies have been doing with the plastic bags that you have so generously donated. And this is uh, actually one of the sleeping mats that they made out of the plastic bags for people that are homeless. Looks nice and cushiony and comforting to me. And this is something that they have decided to take on because they love those who God have who who God has created that have no home. They have no place to sleep. And so this keeps them off the ground, keeps them warm. And it's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Six hundred bags. Yeah, six hundred bags. Shop off the island. That way you can get plastic bags, okay? <laughs> and then bring them in. <laughs> Let's uh, take a moment to uh, pray. Oh Lord, you know, this slide reminds us that no matter our circumstances, there's always somebody that has it worse than us. Doesn't matter what it is that we're going through, the pain that we're suffering, our life's conditions. There's somebody who's going through worse. And so, Lord, we'd ask that we would keep them in mind, not only through our lives, but every time we see them. That you would touch our hearts and you would give us the means and the opportunity and and the will to be able to do something to help. Lord, I ask that uh, as I deliver this lesson, that you would let your Spirit flow through me. Let it be something that someone can be encouraged by and strengthened by, because that's part of the reason why we gather each week. And we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the thanks for that in your Son's name. Amen. So I'm going to preface this uh, this lesson with telling you once again, and I'm sure you're tired of hearing about me and and my struggles and whatnot. But you know, to put things in a context, I'm all I know, really. Uh, you know, I can't get inside your head and inside your lives. So um, a couple of weeks ago, my wife stopped doing chemo. Her, her last chemo treatment actually was the day before Thanksgiving. And so for Thanksgiving and the day after that, and the day after that, she was pretty sick and whatnot. Um, and then we go in the next week and we, we have a conversation with her oncologist and her oncologist tells her that her latest CAT scan has shown that the tumor has shrunk even more. 
to the point where the stent that they put in her bile duct had actually fallen out. And that's awesome. Praise God for that, right? So, he refers her to the surgeon who, um, when he first met with her, I mean, you've got to remember something here. This lady has pancreatic cancer, and the odds of surviving the first four months is something like 5%, and she's in her 16th month. Okay? So, I mean, God is awesome. He's given us a lot more time than we ever thought that we would have. So we go to visit her surgeon, and her surgeon was the guy who told her approximately 15 months or so ago that uh, due to the position, actually, shorter than that. It was after her major chemo. Um, he said due to the position of the tumor that he would not be able to operate. There was a 50-50 chance that basically if he operated, um, her remaining time would be nothing but trying to recover from the surgery. And so she opted not to do that, and she opted to do the chemo that she's doing now. So we go to visit this guy again, and he says, well, there's a 50-50 chance. And we're all, oh, gosh, here we go with the 50-50 chance again. But he says, no, there's a 50-50 chance that it, it, I'll be able to remove everything that I need to be able to remove. You know, and your, your blood tests show that you're pretty malnourished, and you're probably going to take twice as long to recover from the surgery as anybody else would. Uh, but we can do it. So we're like, yeah! You know, <laughs> and we start driving home. My wife asked me a very interesting question, which which I've been kind of dwelling on, and I really don't have an answer for it. But, you know, she said, I wonder if it's more painful or worse to be the person who is taking care of somebody who's dying or to be the person who is dying. Okay. And... I mean, I'm not in that position, as far as I know. Uh, I'm taking care of her, yes, but I'm not the person who's dying. And and we've, you know, we've both experienced that with taking care of her mother who passed away, and now she's in this situation. And of course, what pops into my mind is is Paul saying to live as Christ and to die as gain. Uh, but uh, we really didn't, you know, ruminate upon that very very much more. But Lately, she's been getting sicker and sicker. Okay, and we have a we have a surgery date that's scheduled for January the third, which would be a nice birthday present for my mom because that's her birthday, so that's good. But she's getting weaker and weaker. Okay, and honestly, she may not make it until the surgery. So Wednesday, I come home from work, and. You know, I told you guys last week that I'm the last-minute Christmas shopper, and so I'm running around getting, you know, Christmas presents for everybody other than my wife, and and we we had this idea that you know a certain thing that we were going to get, certain gift card we were going to get from our brother and uh, his family, uh, because there's this chain restaurant out there in Mississippi that they like to go to, it, and, and I'm pretty sure I saw the gift card somewhere on the island, but I couldn't think of where. So Wednesday afternoon, I'm running around from store to store to store, you know, where they have the big stands of the gift cards, you know, I'm looking at all the gift cards, and the only chain restaurants I ever see are Olive Garden, Red Lobster, and, you know, that garden chain right there. That's not doing me a bit of good. So after about the fourth, 
store, I called my wife and I said, look, I'm not finding these cards. What do you want me to do? And I hear this really weak, thready voice on the other end saying, come home, I'm sick. And it's like, "Uh uh-oh, I know that voice. I've heard that voice before. So I immediately drop what I do, what I'm doing, and I go, I get to go drive home. I was at Shaw's, so it didn't take me that far, that long to get there. And, you know, she's in bed, and she'd been in bed for the past couple of days, uh, pretty much. And um, it takes quite a while to convince her that since she's been throwing up and whatnot for a couple of days, she really needs to go to the hospital. Okay, I mean, home hydration will do you only so much, but if you lose electrolytes, etc., you're not going to just be able to replenish those through hydration. And, you know, she's kind of delirious, etc., at this point. And um, so I finally convinced her to go to the ER, and we go to the ER, and and uh, she's there for quite a while. Um, and, um, you know, there's at one point where where she calls me over to the bed, I'm sitting about three feet over, four feet over, and she's hey, come here, i got to tell you something. Just remember. And I'm like, remember. And the only thing that popped into my mind was that scene at the end of Star Trek Two, you know, where Spock puts his hands on McCoy's face as he's about to die, you know, and he says, remember. (laughs) And she actually, she said it again in pretty much the same tone of voice. Remember. I'm like, okay, remember what? And she said, remember the big pink huge donut that we saw as we came in? I'm like, whoa, you are really out of it. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, they had to replace a lot of electrolytes that were messing with her head and messing with her body and making her sick, etc. Because if you lose magnesium, if you lose potassium, you keep throwing up and you lose more and more and more. And so we were essentially there until 1.30 at night. Okay, so we're in ER that long. And then Thursday, Thursday she spends all week in bed. All right. I mean all day, excuse me. She spends all day in bed Thursday, and she's pretty weak, and she's thrown up, et cetera, et cetera. And Friday morning, it's pretty much the same thing. And I told her just before I went to work, you know, I said, look, and we'd had this big run around with the insurance company on who was supposed to come over, reinsert a port into her chest, and, and give her, you know, hydration, because they took the port out, uh, when she left the ER. And I said, look, I said, you know, visiting nurses or whoever doesn't call up, you know, in the next hour or so, I really, really, really want you to call somebody and get to the ER. Okay, get, get over to the cancer center and, you know, get some hydration, get your blood tested and all that other fun stuff. And in a really weak voice, she tells me that, that she would. And that's cool. So, you know, I'm at work, I'm doing my thing, and around 11 o'clock, I call her up, see how she's doing. And I don't get any answer. I don't get any answer on the cell phone, I don't get any answer on the home phone. And so I do the find my friends thing through through the iPhone, and then I discover she's at the hospital. Okay. Now, I had told her to go to the hospital, all right? But I'm not getting any answer on the phone, 
and I discover that she's at the hospital. And so, you know, I really start pretty much freaking out. Long story short, I'm going nuts, okay? I'm at work. She's at the hospital. I don't know how she's doing. I'm not getting any feedback from anybody. With the exception of the lady who took her in that said, yeah, I, you know, took her in. She's at the hospital. She's getting hydrated, but she doesn't know anything, you know, about what's going on, et cetera. And so I'm, I'm basically looking out, going nuts because here I am about 20 some odd miles away, 40 minute drive. I'm in East Greenwich and there's nothing I can do to help. So, while I'm going through this mental anguish, Pastor Ed sends an email and he throws another wrench into the works and he says, our guest speaker for today can't make it. I'm like, oh, good God. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks, Ed. Uh, so I send out an email to... To, to the members of the steering committee, and I asked, you know, whether or not Manny or Mike or, or Mike had, you know, a word that the Lord was placing on their hearts. Um, because my mind, and I, and I admitted it to them, my mind is in prayer at this point. Okay? It's not on last minute sermon prep. And, I mean, I even told Pastor Ed, you know, I mean, that's where my heart is. I could recycle an old sermon, but I don't know whether or not this is, this is going to work, you know. And so, um, then I get a, then I get something from Elsie. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't notice it until Friday. <laughs> and she says the computer in the office had died. And we're running QuickBooks in there, so our financials, you know, they might have been corrupt because it's saying it's trying to recover and all the other fun stuff. So I'm going, now what? Then I get another email from Pastor Ed. Actually, it's a text message saying, uh, Jake and uh, Jeremiah Owls have been doing a lot of work on, on creating a new website for the church. And Pastor Ed wanted to know whether or not I had time to do this, to switch it over. You know, there's something I have to do technologically to get it switched over to the new website. And I just said, no, <laughs> you know, not today, not after what's going on, you know. And so I go through all this. I get, I get, you know, whatnot from work and I'm kind of, not really rushing the students, but I immediately sent out an email as soon as I found out that my wife was at the hospital. You know, I'd really appreciate it if you guys showed up on time today for your finals rather than like an hour later. So, because I figure, you know, they'll take them about two hours to do the finals, even though it's about a four hour class. And then once they do the final exam, they're going to go home. And that's what they did. Okay. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing you know, going on with that, but, you know, in the meantime, while they're doing the finals, what am I doing? Yeah, worrying. I'm pacing around, looking out the window. I'm praying. Yeah. Okay. But it wasn't until I got home that, you know, I'm sitting around and I'm thinking to myself, you know, this is my signature or my church email. This verse right here, Philippians 4. Okay. Verse 13. 
For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can do everything through Christ. Now, I'm not the strength. He's the one who gives me the strength. Okay? And so, while I'm thinking about this, you know, I send out a message to the steering committee and I said, you know what? God's got this. As far as the preaching goes, God, God's got this. He's, you know, he always has. It's not been me. Okay. So what am I worried about? And he's going to give me the words. He's, you know, there was already a couple of verses that were thrown, you know, going through my mind. And, and this one was staring right at me in the face as I'm composing the email to these guys because that's my signature. Okay. I can do everything through Christ. He gives me strength. So God starts redirecting my thoughts and he's basically he's reminding me that I'm kind of missing the rest of the chapter here. I mean, I can take this verse, yes, and I can stand on that verse and that's 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 you know what I stand on, but that verse in and of itself is is taken out of context. We need the rest of the chapter to understand what it is that Paul's talking about to get that context, to understand what is going on. And my first main point here is this. When I look at the rest of the chapter, I understand that this particular verse right here is saying, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. It does not say, I will do everything. It does not say that I should do everything. And that's a big problem with me. I'm the kind of guy that I'll take on task, one task after another, until I've got way too much on my plate. It's like last year, before we even found out, or actually two years ago, before we even found out about my wife's cancer, I stepped away from the steering committee for a while because I realized I had too much on my plate. It was driving me nuts. So can does not mean should or will. That's the first thing that I want to get across. Okay? Prayer, I was doing. Now, I didn't take her in. Somebody else took her in. I wasn't taking care of her. Other people were taking care of her. I was not able to do it. I can... But that doesn't mean that I will do everything or that I should try to do everything. So then we come to, you know, this is the part that I wanted you to, to, I want you to get as far as keeping this verse in context. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank Him for all that He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See, prayer I was doing, not worrying, not so much. <laughs> Anxiety is a big problem for me. 
Anybody who knows me, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll tell you that that is a big issue with me. I get pretty anxious. I worry quite a bit. Lord knows that there's enough qualified people out there that have been inside my head and had conversations that they've written out nice prescriptions for beds to help reduce my anxiety. Prayer brings peace. It's the prayer that brings peace, okay? His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, okay, all right, pray how? I mean, I can pray for things all day and night. That doesn't mean they're going to happen. I can pray for the miracle that her cancer is going to be instantly removed. That's not going to be happening. Manny reminded me yesterday about a verse in Matthew where Jesus says, look, if you've got faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell that mountain move, and it's going to. With any, he points out correctly that it doesn't mean it's going to happen immediately. <laughs> okay. You know? It's his terms. It's his timing. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to move on its own. You may have to break out the big, huge digging machines and start moving that or move the, you know, grab a shovel and start moving the mountain yourself. Or you might have to hire other people to do it. Or God may actually just say, hey, move. It's His prerogative, right? So, I mean, I can pray all day and night. I can pray for the end of crime in Chicago or Providence. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. I can pray for wisdom in Washington. Yeah, sorry. That doesn't mean that's going to happen. Okay. That doesn't mean you're praying for the wrong things. You're praying, if you're praying for things that are going to put God first and others in your life second, if you're praying about those things, this is good. Praying for other people. Praying that God's glory will be revealed. This is an excellent thing. Is it not? Yeah, it is. So my second main point there was praying for peace, but it's His terms and His timing. So, how do you get through these things? And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you have heard from me and saw me doing. Then, the God of peace will be with you. He tells us not to worry. To pray. Not to worry. But then He tells us what to pray about. What to be putting into our head. See, here I am. I'm at work. My wife's in the hospital. I'm wigging out because I'm getting no information, but I'm completely disregarding the fact that Somebody was available to take her to the hospital. And it's a really good friend of hers. And that friend stayed with her 
until I got to the hospital. I didn't take her in. Somebody else did. I can do everything through Christ. That doesn't mean I will or that I should. Others were taking care of her, more qualified people. I mean, you know, if I was her doctor, forget about it. That wouldn't work out too well. And I've got to trust upon, I've got to rely upon their knowledge, their experience. I can do everything through Christ, but that doesn't mean that I should or that I will. See, Paul is actually writing to people who were in the same situation that I was. That's the context of this letter in Philippians. He's writing to people that are in the same situation I was. I don't know what's going on, so I'm freaking out. Then we look at the next section of this letter. It says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know that you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. The congregation in Philippi was worried about Paul. Now, if memory serves correctly, and again, this is kind of like a last-minute kind of thing, so I didn't do due diligence here, but if memory serves, Paul is in jail at this point in his life. And so this congregation, they have no idea what's going on. They have no idea how Paul is faring while he's in prison. And so they're concerned about him. They're, they are anxious, just as I was. And so he sends them those words of wisdom where he says, don't worry, but pray about everything. Pray for the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep those things in mind because what they're going to do is keep you focused on everything that God has done for you because faith is not believing that God can. It's knowing that He will. He will. I'm not saying that He will cure my wife. Okay, but he will take care of her when she passes, just like he will take care of us when we pass. See, Paul is content. He says, "I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty." with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Paul is writing to people who are concerned about his well-being. And what does he do? He thanks them for their concern. His focus isn't on, this is what I'm going through. He doesn't tell them, you know, the guards are mean. They're beating me every day. They're giving me food that's got lice and, you know, little weevils and stuff running through it when they feed me. They're giving me dirty water whenever it is that they give me water. 
He's not saying any of that stuff. I'm not saying that it happened. The Bible doesn't tell us. But he's in jail. Okay? And so it's quite possible that these things are happening. But instead of dwelling upon that, he's giving thanks for this congregation that is worried about him. And so I give you my thanks as well. He's telling them how to get through my issue, anxiety. I can do everything, but that doesn't mean I will. I can make myself wealthy. Okay? Paul says, you know, I've learned to be content whether or not I have a lot or whether or not I have a little. There's a possibility that I could make myself wealthy. If God gives me the strength and He gives me the energy and He gives me the knowledge to do that, great! That doesn't mean that He will. That doesn't mean that I will. It doesn't mean that I should even try. I can be Superman. After all, my name is Clark. Why not? I can be Superman. I can try to take on everything around here. Okay? I can try to take on everything at work, but that doesn't mean that I should or that I can. But what I can rest upon is I can rest upon the knowledge that there's a way around or over or through anything that life is going to throw at me. Whatever is right in your sight, God, Whatever is right in your sight, God, let it be so. Can doesn't mean you will or you should. And if the situation arises where something happens that you don't want to have happen, that doesn't mean that you're a failure. It doesn't. Pray for all things. Pray for all things. And thank God for all that He's done. He's done far more than we could ever even think of. I mean, it, 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 if somebody hadn't been available to take my wife to church, she's, we live within walking distance of the hospital. Yeah, she might have been too weak for that. There's a hospital right next door. I mean, it's not like she's got to go like some places in Africa where, 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 where Becca was doing the mercy ships thing, where, where there's, there's like a hospital, yeah, but it's a thousand miles away. There's one doctor for a hundred thousand people. We don't have that here. I don't necessarily like the oncologist, but I thank the Lord for his knowledge and his wisdom and what he's done for her. And there are things to be grateful for that's my point. There are things to be grateful for even when life is tossing us about. When we're shipwrecked or we feel that we are, we're not. We need to reach up. We need to think. We need to learn how to sit and rest in God's peace. 
Then we need to learn how to stand. And then we can start walking. If we know that God is with us, who could be against us? Father God, I ask that no matter what the anxieties are that are afflicting the people of this congregation or even myself, that you would help us realize that you're in our corner. And if you're in our corner, it really doesn't matter who's against us. We ask, Father, that, yeah, you would take those anxieties and those worries away. That we would instead focus on everything that you have given us. Everything that you have done for us. If at all else, if everything else fails, direct our thoughts to the sacrifice that you made on that cross. So that we might realize that no matter what our situation is, somebody's got it worse than us. We could be nailed to a cross ourselves, but we didn't have the sin of the world laid upon us. But you did. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done for us, and we thank you, Lord, for everything that you're going to do for us, no matter what our situations are. Thank you, Father, in your Son's name. Amen.